0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining this webinar on what does a CEO do anyway. Before we start, I want to let you know that this session is being recorded so it can be shared with those who are not able to join us today. We've had over 150 people sign up for the webinar, and some have asked us if they could listen to it after the fact. So, we're making that possible by recording the session. By way of introduction, my name is Ben Hewitt, I'm the head of small business for New South Wales and ACT at ANZ. Today's webinar is an example of ANZ's commitment to help shape a world where people and communities thrive, as well as our commitment to help customers to start, run and grow their business. Since ANZ has worked with thousands of companies, we understand that companies differ in many ways. They differ by industry, age, numbers of employees, orientation, local, national, global. But successful growth-oriented business owners and CEOs or managing directors have several things in common. They have a real passion and a drive to succeed. They're focused on their customers and understand what their customers value. They face reality and develop solutions to problems as quickly as possible. They have mental tenacity to push through hard times and the resilience to bounce back. And they understand how to lead and manage people. In short, they understand what their job is as CEO. Our two guests are two business owners who are customers of ANZ and have graduated from the ANZ Business Growth Program that Dr. Jana Matthews designed and directs. So please let me introduce Dr. Jana Matthews, who will facilitate the discussion with these two fabulous CEOs. Dr. Jana is an international expert on entrepreneurial leadership and business growth, a professor and the founding director of the Australian Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia Business. She studied at the University of London, did graduate work at Yale University and has a doctorate from Harvard University. She holds the ANZ funded chair in business growth at UniSA Business and directs the ANZ business growth program. During her career, Jana has founded several companies of her own and has worked with hundreds of CEOs and leadership teams all over the world, including New Zealand and Australia. She's been global thought leader for SAP was on the founding team of the Kaufman Foundation Centre for Entrepreneurial Leadership, and was named one of the 18 women business gurus in the world. In 2018, she was named one of the leading women in Australia's innovation ecosystem. And that same year, the AFR named her one of the 100 women of influence in Australia. She's a member of the International Women's Forum, and in, in addition to her day job, She chairs the selection committee for the federal government's 60 million boosting female founders programs for women-owned and led companies that are ready to scale. As a mighty impressive uh, set of credentials, Uh, welcome, Jana.
1: Gosh, thanks, Ben. It's a real pleasure to be here and such a pleasure to be here with those two CEOs that we're going to hear from. I want to give a special thanks to ANZ for supporting our centre, the Australian Centre for Business Growth, from day one. So our mission is to help CEOs and their executive teams learn to grow companies, because growing companies create jobs, and that helps individuals and communities to thrive. So our mission and ANZ's mission are totally aligned. By design, the companies who come to our programs are small and medium. That is, they have five to 199 employees. We don't have programs for small companies, the micro companies that are one to four. We don't have programs for large companies, those with more than 200. We just stay within our lane there because we believe that that 250,000 small and medium companies with five to 109 employees, they're the leverage point for the economy. And our center was established to help them understand what to do, when, why, how, and in what order. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, Australia is a nation of small business. Yeah, it is, but surely we don't want to stay that way. What you want is the pool to be refreshed as companies are moving up from small to medium
2: to large.
1: And so we want to see companies grow, and that means we've got a lot of work to do. Because if you look at just plain revenue, a quarter of the companies in Australia have less than 50,000 in revenue, and 93% have less than 2 million in revenue. So that means only 7% of all of Australia's companies have revenue of more than 2 million. And we need to increase that percentage and that number. People say small companies create the most jobs. And in the beginning, they do. But the problem is small companies churn. And about 80% of them are out of business in five years. And so what we've done is to focus on the CEOs who have survived that process and have at least five employees and want to grow. And then, if we can help them learn to grow, then we think what will we'll actually change the whole dynamic of the economy in Australia. And the good news for us is there are about 260,000 of those, probably most of you listening in on this webinar. So let me introduce two of those CEOs who are my guests. Dan Richards, who's CEO of Humpty Doo mundi, which is the largest Bermundy farm in Australia. Happy to say I went to the restaurant last night and had the Bermundy They're located in Northern Territory. And Alex Widhoff, an engineering consultancy company that's located in Brisbane. So I was looking for a larger company and one that wasn't quite as large, one that was in products and one that was in services. So Dan, have a go here. Introduce yourself and the Hump to Do Bear Tell us a little bit about the story, where it is, how many employees you have, and maybe the latest key challenge that you faced as a CEO.
3: Sure, Th- thank you Jan, and thanks for the opportunity to speak today so um happy to is our family business uh, we've uh, we've been running for 29 years this year uh, we started off with a bunch of uh, passionate people uh, you know passionate about fish with the dream to, to do to grow you know, get involved uh, the business was in its uh, second year of operation 28 years ago uh, in our first year of production, we grew just uh, six kilos six of fish, kilos fish. Of fish. Uh, at the moment, at the moment, it's about 14,000 times bigger than that. So it's been a really amazing journey to come on uh, from a tiny business with, with five volunteers and uh, people with a dream who are uh, building an organization now where we when I joined the business, uh, there was four of us 15 years ago, and now, we're, now we've got 150 and we've got the national. So we're, we're on the remote Northern Territory, uh, located halfway between Darwin and Kakadu National Park, surrounded by crocodiles and water buffaloes, uh, we've built an amazing team and culture and have a wonderful wonderful people to work with. So uh, in terms of my greatest challenge, uh, last year was quite challenging, uh, obviously uh, you know we've, we've been going through COVID, but last year we had some major operational challenges uh, within the business that, uh, that stretched us. To the limits uh, we had some major changes in our executive and leadership team so it was a fair bit of uh, change and turmoil in that space and uh, at the same time we had a massive capital program to deliver uh, so that was really a lot, a lot of things going on all at once from that point of view. Um, I think uh, during that time what I had to do was steady the ship so uh, that involved really you know staying firstly staying true to our values and our mission and our mission is to responsibly produce beautiful Australian barramundi while demonstrating our genuine care and commitment to our people, our environment and our partners. And so really staying, staying true to that helped our people just to stay calm and to, to stay steady. Uh, I had to uh, put my shoulder to the wheel and so our team could see that we're still being true to who we are and what was important, and then to work with them to build the plan out of the uh, out of the challenges we were having uh, together, so that we all aimed the plan and came out the other side. So right now, I'm pleased to say things are looking pretty bright, Touchwood.
1: Don't you love it when there's a happy ending because you did the things right, the things you're supposed to do as CEO, steady at the tiller do the plan, get everybody on board, and then execute. Okay, that's kind of like the first little secret. Alex, let's go to you. So CEO of Off Engineering, a consultancy in Fortitude Valley, recently opened an office, second office in Queensland. You're you're not a family business at all, so tell us a little bit about your origin story and where you are and what you've done and, and a key challenge that you've faced this last year
2: yeah thanks um yeah so started the business from the beginnings of about 12 years ago um i was initially an engineer with uh mining as a as a graduate and then moved away way through into the utility sector water and wastewater. um and did five, 10 years of that working for the local government but uh, they changed their the way they do business um they used to design everything in-house and i love designing so um was an opportunity for me to start my own business and to do the design work that they still needed done but work for them uh, initially i do outsource myself as a project manager while bidding for work and doing work at night times and took a couple of years to get enough a pipeline of work to get uh, enough work coming in to hire some staff initially out of the basement in the, in the in my house and then yeah about three years in got enough work and hired a graduate hired a drafter, really the startup phase and got a little room and um, yeah, continue to to keep busy and win more work. Um, and yeah, now we've got 40 people. We've got um, three directors on board. Uh, in addition to myself, uh, we have an employee share scheme so that uh, we've got our employees invested in the company, which really motivates them to, to keep them, the projects on, on track. Um, because they're all invested and they've all they've all bought in. Um, the biggest challenge I've had in the last, uh, other than COVID, everyone else has had that as well. Um, would be starting starting that second office in January, um, which is pretty much when the Queensland borders opened up. And uh, yeah, that was um, pretty hectic. And so, but we've it's doing really well. We've got um, the, the client base up there is expanding, um, really getting a lot of uh, traction with a lot of uh, of the key stakeholders and um people within that uh, organization wanting our business and yeah we have pretty much doubled our revenue from that stream in the last six months it's pretty good
1: did you move some of your people from your um fortitude office up there or did you hire all new people up there
2: yeah we had uh uh, had a, had a line of people who wanted to go live on the suntron coast um it's a, it's a lovely place to live um and uh so we've got a few people driving up there now and we've got the, the the office set up so that we can go up there one or two days a week but still come back we didn't want them losing touch with our our head office um and the culture that we have but um the way we wanted to start our second office is to seed it with people already ingrained with our culture and how we work um i didn't want to hire a bunch of new people and and have them go rogue up there um, really needed people who understood what we stood for and what we did um, to be the uh, the, the guys. That, and then uh, we'll be driving up there as well, all the directors, as needed to meet the right clients in the right time and get projects across the line. Um, but now it's going really well.
1: Good. I I just wanted to make that point that to be able to transplant your culture is a much easier way to open a new office. By taking some of your people there, it's almost like, an amoeba that splits itself as opposed to trying to find somebody else and ingrain them in what's going on in the company. But I digress. Okay. So before I go any further, for those of you who are listening, I want to remind you that this is downloadable, and this is a little kind of a worksheet that you can work through with us as we're going through these stages of growth and talking about how the roles changed in their companies and what their responsibilities are as well. So we've designed these webinars as kind of getting inside the heads of the business owners and sort of seeing the world through their eyes. So we'll be looking at what Dan and Alex have done. I'll be doing a little riff, and then we'll be talking about what they have actually done in the particular stages of growth, because it's really important that you understand your role as CEO actually changes as the company goes through its stages of growth. So let's start at the beginning. Let's talk about startup. In startup, you do everything. Alex talked about that, in the basement, doing everything. Dan was there when there were four people selling the fish, growing the fish, feeding the fish. You make all the decisions, you do it all, and that's exactly what you're supposed to do because you've got to figure out which customers want your product. What are they willing to pay for it? Um, do they want to buy it in store or, or in the office or on the web or on regular delivery service? How are you going to market this? Are you going to do this directly online, social media, website, TV commercials? ads and magazines and and newspapers or speeches or thought leadership or, or through channels. I mean, how are you going to get this word out to people that you have the product and get them to want to buy it from you? In short, you're trying to figure out the product market fit and how to get customers who are willing to pay and then how to attract the right kinds of employees to enable the company to actually deliver the product or service. So, Dan, you came to the business that your father had started and if there were four people, it sounds like it was still pretty much a startup when you joined, right?
3: Absolutely.
1: So, Tell us about that.
3: Sure, absolutely. At that time, the revenue was about $2 million. Um, It was probably between the startup and initial growth phase. Uh, Dad was very much still uh, involved in making the the decisions in and around the business. I had a very capable small team Uh, But it was it was small. Um, So we're now, and and when I came on board, it was very much uh, in the middle of all of that. You know, straight straight, I had another career previously, so went straight out of the executive boardroom uh, in in my previous career and straight into the bottom of a pond uh, catching fish for the first 18 months. So uh, it was very hands-on. But uh, you know, we've been able to build it. So now we're going to sort of we're about 30 30 times that size. Uh, over the last 15 years, so uh, it's been a lot of things. So I'd say at this stage we probably oscillate between rapid growth and continuous growth in terms of where we're at in the business and how we operate now. Um, and across different aspects of the business because we've got everything from a genetics program with CSIRO through to uh, chefs in the market working with uh, with our customers. And so in different areas, uh, we, we get hands on or we, um, or we were able to stand further back and just set the tone and
1: direction. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to some of the later stages, but let me cycle back over to Alex here in terms of your company has your name on it. So you were obviously there at the start. Um, so a little bit about your role and where you think you are and what you did in startup
2: yeah so um my role has changed significantly over the the time for the last 10 years in the startup phase you know i got the first office uh, we shared it with another company we had four small desks each um i had a couple of engineers in there and i was doing pretty much everything i Doing the engineering, of course. Um, I was doing the finances, the payroll, the administration, the HR, setting up contracts, um, doing the marketing and the sales. I would go to meetings in the daytime and you know, try and win the jobs, and then at night time, I'd be doing the jobs I've won and you know, continuing that on and have enough time in the day to uh, in the daytime to get the graduates up to speed and mentor those um, uh, young staff to make sure they're doing it the way I wanted it done and make sure we deliver it the quality I wanted to deliver. Um, you know, the bidding and the quoting, the traveling, everything. And then that was, that's, that's before you have systems set up. You, you're running on spreadsheets. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's getting through that stage quickly is uh, it was a challenge. Um, we lasted about a year in that first phase before we outgrew it. So yeah. the hard work paid off. We were able to hire more staff, um, and made sure I was in a lease that had a one plus one lease, so I wasn't going to be stuck there either if it went well or if it went badly. So um, uh, luckily it went well and I was able to expand out of that space within a year um, to a bigger, better space. And yeah, that's that's the next phase. But yeah, the initial startup phase is, yeah, you do everything um, and it's all hands-on and very tactical, not strategic at all.
1: So it's also very short feedback loops and there's a lot of reinforcement for doing that because when you do it, Things get done the way you want them to be done. And it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more you do, you just try to do all those things more quickly, and you think that is your role. I am supposed to do all these things. I just have to figure out how I can do them in the evenings. Oh, I'll extend that into the weekends. And suddenly you run out of time. There's no time to keep doing faster, faster, more, more of the same thing. And it wasn't until I had a board member say to me, you can't keep doing all those things yourself. Either you need to change or you need to bring in a CEO because you've been positively reinforced with the doing and you've got to stop doing that and move into the thinking. And I was shocked because I thought what I was supposed to do was to keep doing. Everybody that I hired expected me to be the doer and make all the decisions. And so that's an issue, isn't it? Um, You get reinforced and positively think that is my job. So I was working with the CEO in the States and he, he said, I looked out my window one morning and I saw eight people waiting for me to tell them what to do. And I thought, man, we can't grow like this if everybody depends on me telling them what to do every single day. And so, you know, what am I going to do? Well, I, don't, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll ask them what they think, what they think they should be doing. And sure enough, he pushed back and he said, well, what do you think you ought to be doing? What do you think the decision is or what do you think the answer is? because we can all depend on me all the time being here to make all those decisions. And that was very hard for him to do. He actually put a little piece of paper on his mirror when he was shaving in the morning in practice, He had a plexiglass thing on his, you know, it's just, he steps into making the decision or telling people what to do. He glances at that and says, Oh no, I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm supposed to be asking them what they think they need to do. And so this, this capacity to stop the doing, which is a hallmark of startup, and telling others what they need to do as opposed to beginning to delegate tasks to people so that your job is not solving the problems your job is preparing the company for growth clarifying the purpose the vision the mission the values the structure how we're going to measure which products and services are selling where's the ideal customer who's the right employee to get on our bus and then install, as you said, Alex, those systems to keep track of income, expense, cash flow, which customers are buying, which things, how long does it take to produce, what's the cost of production, and where are these tasks being executed and completed, and make sure that we do this on time and in budget. So that's a very different wrenching of what it is that I think my job is as, as the leader of the company, as a CEO. So, Alex, did you face any of those kind of like Conversations with yourself in the shower in the middle of the night, going like, "We can't oh, keep definitely. doing this. I got to change."
2: Yeah, I have that lineup of eight people in the mornings. Um, yeah, people are coming asking, "What should we do?" And I've learned now to ask, "What do you think we should do?" Or give me three options and recommend one, and then I'll tell you which one. Yeah, you know, that, that's the right answer. It's usually the right answer. And then they get confidence out of that. Um, I've, when you're in startup you really want to tell everyone what to do, do it your way let's work as a team, do it my way um, works really well until you run out of time and then you have to change and really start empowering people to be better than they are and hopefully better than you are at what they do and hire specialists to do each individual task I found that you know, no one person can do what I was doing because I was doing everything but hiring that yeah special engineer to do that engineering well but let them do that and then you can concentrate on the finances or the hr or the payroll and eventually you'll get over that as well you hire hr and a payroll person and hopefully never do that again um it's yeah hire the hire really good people and let them do their job properly and and delegate to them and and work up to it make sure that they have the confidence uh and and rightly so that they're actually doing it right um but don't um just disempower them by always correcting them. Let them make mistakes and let them fix it.
1: So, Dan, how about how about your experience at home to do
3: Absolutely, Jana. Um, At each stage of the development of the business, uh, you know you have to consciously, uh, you know, things. Last year's solutions work right up until they don't. Last year's solutions don't solve next year's problems, and so I think it's about taking that time to. Stop and recognise that, and then because I've had the line up down at the, the door, I've had the um, you know, more decisions than you can make properly. And we, have, I was have saying uh, that I share with my people, which is you know you can do anything, so, but you can't do everything. So let's choose which things you're going to do, and then that lets that's that's them off the hook as well. That they're, they're trying to do their best. say come on now, let, let's let's farm these things out because essentially, you know. At my scale at the moment, a lot of what I'm doing is making sure that we're clear on our mission and that we have the right people in place, people operating consistent with the values and leading that. But in reality, if you've got the right people in place and the right systems and the right culture and values in place, they will do the job far better than I could ever do it. So uh, that's that's the way to you know, unleash them to enable the business to move forward and grow.
1: So as you're growing and you're bringing more people in, there's a huge emphasis on the right people, people who match your values and could do the job. And then there's the conscious decision, the conscious expectation, if you've ever done this before, but the conscious proactive stepping up to the next role as opposed to hanging on and doing all the fun things in this role. So that's part of the learning as a leader that you have to keep doing is I've got more things to learn and more things to do in order to help the company grow. So simply you know, delegating and telling people what to do is not where it's at here um, and so delegating the right way as well as not over delegating to somebody and then taking it all back again. That's a failure for them and a failure for you, but helping people get the right experience delegate properly so they can move up the stages of growth. Okay, so when when you start growing rapidly, then you as the leader have a very different set of roles and responsibilities. And you've already started alluding to that, Dan, and it's hiring people that are smarter than you are in some of these areas. And then sharing your drive to achieve the vision, the vision itself, the values themselves, Um, the mission, they join because of the mission, and then your job is basically kind of teaching them whatever it is they need to know about the company and the context, and coaching them to work as an exec team, and then teaching them to delegate to their teams, and learn to select and retain the people who can both perform and match the values. In short, they need to learn to be good leaders themselves because that exec team sort of steps up to the plate and helps you then lead in rapid growth. So they have to be good at managing the functional areas, if it's finance or marketing or sales or product development or managing the fish or our uh, uh, engineering drawings, whatever. But their role is also to help you communicate these things about the mission, the purpose, the values, the plan with employees and external stakeholders to drive the planning process, and do the quarterly plans, and then execute. So A good friend of mine who's head of a very, very fast-growing fintech company, he noted, you know, working in a fast-growth technology company is all about being comfortable being uncomfortable. Executing on your plans, and I always say in really fast growth, each quarter is equivalent to a year in a normal company. And so he said not planning more than a quarter ahead because in high growth, it's very hard to predict what's gonna be happening. So getting people executing quickly and preparing yourself for what you don't even know. That's the uncomfortableness of not knowing what might come after the third month, the fourth month, the fifth month in terms of new opportunities, new new places to go with the company. And somewhere along the way, there's gonna be some kind of turbulence could happen before fast growth, could happen during fast growth, could be from external events, things like bushfires and the floods you're going through, and supply chain disruptions and containers stuck in the Suez Canal and containers that cost now five times what they used to cost. It could come from within the company, it could be cyber attacks take you down or product that doesn't pass quality assurance or a customer that goes bankrupt. I've had all these things happen to companies I've worked with. And it could also be personal. You go to the doctor and he said, oh, that health problem on your heart that your father had that killed him, you've got that same little problem. We're going to operate tomorrow. Or you have a partner that says "Um, I'm getting divorced. I have to sell my share of the company so I can settle with my ex-partner. Or you get a phone call that your dad has died unexpectedly and you have to go take care of his affairs. Or your daughter has this brain tumor and is going to be dead in three months. And you don't even know that until she has blackout. So these are personal things that can happen that impact your ability to grow the company. If you have a team, if you have those strong systems, the company will be able to come through turbulence. But if you don't, you know, when we talk about being up the stream without a paddle, that's not a good place to be. And they say, what well, doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But some companies don't always emerge from this turbulence stronger. Some are weak and beyond repair if you get stuck in the vortex of less revenue leading to employee layoffs. There's no profit to reinvest. Customers now defect. And so it's a downward spiral of decline. So Alex, let's, let's start with you here, going through rapid growth. Have you hit some turbulence? And oh, most
2: definitely. Can- yeah, so the, the growth that we're currently experiencing is we're, we're targeting new disciplines. So we've, we've got a civil engineering group that's joined us and they're in their own little startup phase. And we've grown them from one person to now team of eight over the last year. So that's coming along quite quickly. Um, we're geographically expanding to a new office. Um, and we're also, uh, rather than just focusing on the water industry, we're also doing some manufacturing. So we're getting new types of clients as well. So. We're pretty much expanding on three fronts um, all while hitting uh, some of the normal uh, common turbulences that people have you know like the, the COVID's um, the flooding uh, flooding actually a little bit interesting for us because it creates more work for us so we actually um, you know that, that mixes up with COVID the resourcing to get resources now is actually quite hard so we you know I think Dan sells fish well we sell engineers so we got to find engineers to sell um, and we can't just get anyone, we have to get the good ones. And so that the recruitment and retention is, is key for us and retention is very, very high. We've had hardly anyone leave us, which is a good sign, hopefully, that they like working with us. Um, even in the recent times, there's, there's been no mass exodus. Um, but yeah, I had a personal um, turbulence. I had back surgery six weeks ago and I was out for four weeks. Um, I was on on the phone in my bed talking to people, but I didn't go to the office for four weeks. Um, and February and March were our two highest sales months on record. So it looks like the team's doing really well without me. I might, might stay away longer. It, um, but uh, I did notice when I went back that uh, they were all happy to see me, which is comforting. And, um, it, yeah, I have been able to, I guess, start to – Picks up some of the straight freight edges where people were running at their limits and helping them and getting them across the line and, and but it has been good to see them really succeed without me um even though, even though it was a, for a short time so they definitely had you know there will be turbulences we've had the you know, state government resumed our second office and we were forced to move um so then I'm all of a sudden I'm focusing focusing on that instead of growing the business I'm trying to work out where we're working from in six months time. Um, and then yeah so it's there will be challenges but yeah, if you have a plan you stick to it um, and change it if you have to but yeah it's good to have a plan at least you've got some guidance you can fall back on
1: how did you feel um, about the staff being able to handle all of this without you was it a relief right. was it a concern was it a fantastic Wait a minute but, uh, i'm
2: supposed to be the leader here no i um, managed to drop my ego a while ago which is good um and i'm really happy that you know they were able to succeed um in, without me they they, they I'm like, I, got, I got phone calls um did get you know the we miss you and you know come in as soon as you can please but yeah, they struggled on they, they did their job um and it, it, i think a lot of them stepped up and were able to do it and Gain confidence from that. So even though I'm back now, they they still have their confidence, which is really good.
1: So, so when you've gone back, are you playing the same roles that you did before, or no, are you been, now...
2: I haven't taken over some of those things that people started doing. Um, I've let them let them be. Um, there's a saying I heard, which was the uh, the cemetery is full of indispensable people. So, <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I really want them to to. to they have stepped up stay on that step don't go back Um, and now I can focus on going back to the planning more strategic we've had a really big growth in our sales and our orders we in sort of December last year was our biggest orders ever like in terms of new purchase orders and everyone's been burnt out they're really burning out in terms of so now I'm focusing on the long term how to fix that problem which is hire more people but then we've hit the problem where we've added desks. they now got to get a new new office. So it, uh, the plan is working, but the plan working brings you more problems, which you expect it, but you stop to solve them.
1: That's right. You, my mom was so wise. She said, you never really reach nirvana. You trade one set of problems for another set that you think are more manageable. Yep. And then in this case, if there are a set of problems that you actually want to have. Because oh, we have
2: two problems yeah. Growth. Yeah. Yeah, we have two problems in our industry: not enough work or too much work. That's it. <laughs> and we, we we swing between the two, and the Goldilocks zone is this big, and you're in there for ten seconds before the phone rings. Someone's giving you new work, or someone's cancelled a job, and you, yeah. so you has gotta be comfortable being under pressure. And yeah. I think in sport they say yeah. trust your processes. So.
1: Yeah, dealing with ambiguity for sure. That's one of the things, Dan, you've you've had a lot of that as well.
3: Hmm. Absolutely. I guess in a business uh, that's got, uh, you know, there has been growing at around 30% a year, year on year for a couple of decades. Uh, constantly you've got new things. We've got a couple of million animals and we've got 150 personalities inside the business and uh, all that sort of thing. And so as you move from stage to stage, the turbulence is constant. There's always things. Sometimes some things you can plan for, some things you don't see coming, uh, and they all, it all just provides an opportunity. If if you take the time to stop and think, it all provides an opportunity for you to double down on what you're there for, what you can do. You know, we have a fantastic team, as as Alex clearly does uh, within his you know within the operation, who are very capable, and so a lot of it's just about Lifting them up, giving them the confidence and the abilities to be able to to do what they need to do. Um, you know, ensuring that they have everything they need to be able to do their jobs. You know, I I don't feed the fish anymore. I don't pack the fish except during COVID. I did pack the fish, but uh, when everyone was knocked out in one week. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of what it is about is just being there to support our people, ensure they have what they need, that they're clear on the targets, they're clear on the frameworks, they're clear on the values, uh, and they're well able to do it. So encouraging them to step up, and when we, uh, you know, need need to bring in somebody to to help, you know, whether it's support them or to lead them, uh, we'll do that as the time comes. But it's I think if we remember we stay true to who we are through throughout the process it's okay
1: yeah and everybody has those moments of oh my gosh what's happening you know I've gotten phone calls from CEOs from time to time saying can you talk I'm, I'm sort of in a little high anxiety state at the moment and of course it's good to have someone to be able to talk through like okay this is what's going on to be the doctor of the business if you will uh, the doc- doctor of the company. So in in as you go through rapid growth, as Dan said earlier, he's sort of vacillating between rapid and continuous growth. Um, in that stage, you play a very different set of roles. And I would say Dan's probably playing much more of the role in continuous growth and supporting his people to play the roles they need to play in high growth. You need to be looking ahead several years at these trends and developments, you're You know, you've just put up a packing shed, for instance, that enables you to pack a lot more fish even than you did before. Um, When I was there, I was watching them actually shovel the ice and bring the fish in and pack the fish and get it all ready and load it up on the trucks. It it was just quite an amazing production, but it was very clear that that was not going to be a big enough shed for very much longer. So you've got a big big shed. You're good at change management because a lot of times people are reluctant to change. They work so hard helping you do this. And now you're telling me that this isn't what we should be doing anymore. We should be doing this. Well, well, wait a minute. I I tried to work and be successful. You're telling me that I was wrong or were you wrong? And so, no, you need to help them understand that the context is different. The company has grown. And so what we do needs to be different. And all the things that we did then, that was the right thing to do. But now we need to do this and change can be better and what we're experiencing. So we do need to change and get them comfortable to the change. You also need to reorganize and rebuild the organization. because some of the people on your executive team may leave. They may leave, they may retire, they may have health problems. They may, you know, their spouse goes off and gets a job. They may decide they want to do something else with their life. And so you will have to build and rebuild that organization. Dan referenced earlier about last year having to replace a number of people on his executive team. Key people in the company that, for whatever reason, had left and he needed to find new people, the people who were better suited for the stage of growth that they were moving through. And sometimes people themselves know that they're actually just not the right person, and sometimes they just opt out. But there are sometimes times when you'll have people who don't match the values. And you've got to be very clear about what's that bright white line in that organization with regard to your values and expected behavior. And on the same token, the flip side is you need to reinforce positively, saying call-outs and kudos and emails, the people who are acting the way you would expect them to with good behavior that enables you to be a healthy, productive company that continues to grow, meet your goals and your outcomes. So talk a little bit about how your role has changed, Dan, in continuous growth. And Alex, um, I'm sure as you're looking ahead, you'll be thinking about what I need to do to be able to step up so I can pull the company up into continuous growth.
3: Absolutely. So I think um, one of the things that, that I do is I I schedule in time uh, at dif- different intervals through the year and even through the week just to ask the question, what is the appropriate role for the CEO to do? With where the business is at today, and, and what is it, you know, and where it needs to go next, and so very much take that conscious time to stop and think, and uh, and ask those questions, and obviously uh, to deploy a lot of the knowledge that we've been able to uh, to develop and learn over time, including you know, from your very generous uh, sharing of your time, Dr. Jana, uh, in a lot of that, and you know we've had some late night phone calls around. Uh, you know, what, what we should do next, and that sort of thing. So, you know, that's the, having uh, wise people around to, uh, to share, share problems and uh, under, you know, help to give you perspective can be really valuable as well. So, um, certainly for me, that's the thing of stopping thinking and, uh, you know, and bringing people on the journey.
1: Mm. And thinking how to organize and reorganize, and the new people that you need to bring in, and which new roles as the company grows. Um, which new partnerships you need to be developing, what are some trends in the industry, whether it's in growing fish or packing fish or transporting fish or even marketing, new trends in marketing, getting people like Dr. Jenna to go around and take pictures of all the dinners with Barramundi and sending them off to Dan and saying, look how good this is but there will always be continuous changes as you're continually growing thinking about your next strategy and your next you know do you stay national do you go international what are the challenges of doing that and so forth alex any any kind of commentary there from you as you're thinking about going in and eventually moving into continuous growth
2: yeah it's it's how to get myself out of the day-to-day um, more of the rapid growth coaching um the, planning and the communicating with the staff but more to be more strategic um, dan said taking the time out and working out what does the company need for me today um, but also working on a formalized you know multi-year plan what do we want to achieve how are we going to achieve it and then what are the individual tasks to do that um, a lot of that really good uh, planning tools that came out of that course utilizing those more effectively um, but halving off that time to do that work a lot of the guys seem to want a lot of my time all the time and now that i've had four weeks five weeks off and didn't really need it so i hopefully i'll be able to lock on a lock off and actually then grab them out of their day-to-day tactical space and make them start doing some planning as well and evolving that executive leadership team to be more strategic rather than just putting a bushfires at the moment and we're currently in a very big growth phase so then actually quite burnt out and on the tools and doing it work themselves, but identifying that well that person that person now needs a another senior person to help them that's a second in charge in that group or um someone they can lean on. I've been leaning on them and they've been taking over what I've been doing. Well who's doing that for them? Um so yeah while my my, with my role changes then someone else's role is also changing and making sure that um, um,
1: that is is such a good Alex, to understand that as you are basically delegating down, they need to be delegating down and they need to be stepping up as you're stepping up. And that's a really important image for people to have in their heads about what goes on in this. I think
2: I've, yeah, I've successfully delegated down, but I don't think the next level has. And I think they're overloaded and overworked now. So I'm sort of backtracking a bit and working out on the two levels down. Um, getting those guys to step up. So, yeah, it, um, helping the team do what I'm doing, which is, yeah, some of the work I don't want to do anymore, um, or I think they more better at, and then letting them all do the same.
1: So, yeah. So if I, I kind of had to summarize kind of what does a CEO do or what should a CEO do? Let me see if I can run through this and see if you guys think that this sounds true. So as soon as you figure out what are the products and services that your ideal customers want, at what price, and where and how they want to acquire them or buy them, then you need to stop doing those tasks. There are lots of things for you to do, doesn't mean that you're just twiddling your thumbs wondering what to do. But you change from the doing the tasks yourselves to strategizing, thinking, communicating, explaining, teaching, managing, encouraging, rewarding others to do, execute, and achieve. So you're rewarding them to do the things that you've stepped out of. And so your job, in terms of what your responsibilities then as a leader, are, as you have both alluded to, setting the direction for the organization. That is your number one job. That is the mission, values, vision, plan, and strategies. The second is communicating that internally so everybody understands who are we, where are we going, what are the values that determine how we work with each other, and also with your external stakeholders. Okay, selecting the very best executive team possible and working through them to grow the company, understanding that they too need to learn to delegate and hire and select the best people and manage people so that they can then have time to help you co-lead the company. That's another one of their jobs, the planning process that they drive down into the organization. And so you need time to think, but you need to go away and have time for all of you to think as an executive team about that. And then it's their responsibility to actually come up with the specifics of how we're gonna do this. But you all have to keep knowing where we're gonna drive people in what direction and how fast and with the resources that are needed. And then creating that high performance culture It focuses on execution. It's not just enough to have meetings. We have meetings to describe where we've come, what the impediments are, how we're gonna solve the problem, and then go away and do it. And then to manage the resources of the company, the CEO has to do, this is the employees, of course, managing to get the right people on the bus and the right seats on the bus and all of them working together, managing your revenue, managing your brand, managing cash balance sheets, relationships with bankers, with investors. Dan, you've got big investment in infrastructure, so you've got a whole other set of people that you're going to have to manage. You have board members, you have suppliers, vendors, accountants, lawyers. There's a lot of people that are involved that can be incredibly important resources to you, but that just doesn't happen automatically. You have to actually consciously manage and call them and follow up and, you know, work it. And so while you're doing all that, You need to be sure that the organization is aligned and well-governed. You need to keep people focused, not distract them with lots of shining bright new ideas and cool things. Continually acknowledge the contribution, like Dan talked about, of telling them they're doing a great job. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. As Alex said, what do you think you should do? And that is what helps you maintain the energy and the speed of acceleration that's required for fast growth. So, if I had to summarize in just a sentence, you actually do less and less of the things that made you successful in the beginning. And you do more and more, teaching other people what they can do, and you focus on the things that very few people can do, and you deal with the exceptions. And that's a radically different change than the guy who's in the basement uh, trying to figure out how to do the job in the daytime and do extra stuff at night. And so if you do this right, then you're going to teach people how to basically run the company while you're in the hospital. And you're going to have a decreasing number of decisions, but they're going to be the most critical decisions. And so you'll spend time listening and teaching and thinking and sharing decision rules and helping people your direct reports Stop the doing, start the delegating, and become better leaders themselves. Do you think I have have it quite right in terms of what the role of the CEO is as it plays out for you too?
3: Absolutely. I think uh, it does change as you go. you know it, when when you're in startup, it is appropriate for you to do everything. Uh, and when you're when you're much bigger, it is appropriate for you to stop you know stop doing those things and to really think about how you can how you can lift people up, how you can set the direction and the tone and not do the doing.
2: Yeah, I found that um, while I'm doing less and less of of the engineering, I do find it is good to go back sporadically just to make sure it's still happening the way you think it's happening, or the way it should be happening. Um, so you, you do touch on touch that, but it's very, very far in between now. And engineering which I love doing is uh, now I love engineering management and, and, and mentoring others to, to be great engineers. that's what I'm, yeah, I'm really enjoying at the moment. And you know also planning ahead of working out well, I've changed a couple of times now and what do I need next? And you know, well, how do I get that information, how do I get that knowledge? and working out do I need to talk to other people, uh, you know, networking, going on courses and making sure who do I need to hire? You know, if I can't do that work, then who do I get? You can get um, really good consultants to come in in terms of you know, lawyers, accountants. I'm not going to go into an accounting degree. That's not my job, but um, yeah, make sure you've got the right people around you and, and learn what you need to learn next for where you want your business to go.
1: It sounds like you're into the three pearls of wisdom to share here with as we close out this and then turn back to a and z i
2: guess my that first would one would be this. um culture is king you, know, you, you everyone has to be aligned with you know how you want people to behave and they rep- in my in case in particular my name my, is on the company they're representing mm-hmm. me and you know, every time they talk to our clients they have to behave how I want them to behave or how we want them to behave as a as a as a team who do we represent what are we doing that's how you behave so if anyone anyone doing not doing that needs to uh, either you change the person or you change the person so um second one would be to expand your knowledge go on courses and 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 learn um and have a plan and so you can fall back on it when times are really turbulent and you go well, okay well What I need to do. It's okay. This is what we said we would do. This is where we're at with the plan. Doesn't need to change, but you have that fallback and that reassurance that in quieter times, you have had a good think about it and that's what you wanted to do. This is the right thing to do.
1: Awesome. Okay, Dan. Top that.
3: So yeah, for sure. As uh, Alex said, uh, I guess for for me, um, you know, it's been about investing in learning, investing in my learning, investing in the learning of our team to help lift us all up to the level that we need to be operating at to enable the business to grow through the next steps and beyond. So in our in our case, we did uh, did the program with Dr. Jana and found that to be tremendously valuable, and uh, still refer. Uh, to the terminology and to the resources that we, we uh, got through that program, so it was invaluable for us. So uh, thank you, um, taking the time out to use the knowledge and to think about what's next, uh, to share, you know, to and and to be very conscious about what you're doing, to be consciously competent. I think is good rather than uh, you know, seldomly lucky. Uh, I think it's better to be consciously competent, you know, all the time and then to share your knowledge and passion with the people in and around, you know, around your business uh, to help bring them on the journey, engage them and uh, in the mission and the values and what, what we're doing, because it's a lot more fun that way and your business will grow a lot faster.
1: Awesome, thank you so much. John, I'm gonna turn this back to you. Uh,
4: thank you, Dr. Jana. Um, Good afternoon, everyone. I'm John Tosopoulos, I'm ANZ, uh, Regional Executive for Business Bank. Um, thanks to Dr. Jana and Dan and Alex. Uh, that was very interesting um, and some great conversation. I guess some of my observations and key takeaways from today um, is, you know, I guess in the startup phase, you know, having real clarity on, on your identity and what your product or service is, uh, the profile of your potential customer and really how you deliver that to the market is key at the startup stage. Um, as we've heard today you know there are many phases between startup to maturity so understanding when you need more scale and being very deliberate in um, identifying when you're actually transitioning through the phases and, and what does that mean for your employees and delegation um, and when to learn to work on the business as opposed to in the business. Um, I guess lastly and it's really consistent across both Dan and Alex's businesses, and I'm sure everybody else's, I find the same here at ANZ, is your employees are your key asset. Uh, the right people in the right role at the right time uh, really is about your people. And it just feels like that's consistent regardless of what industry we're all in. So with that said, on behalf of ANZ, I'd like to really thank Dr. Jana, Alex and Dan for their time. Thank you all, uh, it's been much appreciated. Um, Thank you for your insights and for sharing how the bank, sorry, sharing how you think and what you need to do to grow in various roles a CEO needs to play and depending on the company's stage of growth. Thanks to all of you who have come to the webinar. For more information about how to manage business growth, you can visit our website. I believe there are some details on the screen. uh, where There are many tools and resources available, which ANZ has licensed from the Australian Centre for Business Growth, including the interviews with some other company owners. We've been through the program. And of course, you can visit the centre's website to learn more about the program it offers. Our next webinar will be on Tuesday, the fifth of July, uh, where Dr. Jana will be interviewing two different CEOs who have been through the Business Growth Program. We'll be talking about marketing, sales, and, and to and how to grow between revenue and margin. So a great segue, the next step on from this one. So thank you all for today and looking forward to seeing you on the 5th of July. Thanks all, have a good
1: afternoon.